The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com. I'm your host, Gordon Raquel, and we're wrapping up 2014 in a unique, sort of special way. One of the things I love about working with editors or discussing things with editors is that I'm always sitting down with a couple of people and just talking about films we love. And usually it ends up being a discussion from the perspective of an editor. So what I decided to do, and this is a big experiment for us, and you can email us, info at aotg.com, and let us know what you think of this experiment. We wanted to recreate that feeling of just sitting down and talking about films that you love from the perspective of an editor. So I called up uh, Luke, who's a friend of mine, uh, Lucas Sargent, and he recommended that we get in touch with Jordan. And Jordan Kreutz is an editor here in Toronto. And so the three of us met upstairs at the Senator. We brought a six pack of beers and we sat down and just talked about the three films that we thought were the top films for this year from a post perspective. And uh, what ended up happening is we all chose Birdman. And so we all realized that we had to choose something else. So Jordan chose the Grand Budapest Hotel, and I chose Boyhood, both because they gave unique approaches to the post process. So let us know what you think of this sort of experiment of the three of us just sitting down talking about a film from the post perspective. Uh, If you have any thoughts on it, you can always Twitter us at AOTG Network. You can get us on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network. And of course, email us, info at AOTG.com. Let us know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you think we should continue adding these sort of moments? Because uh, as soon as we finished this, Jordan and Luke emailed me about a couple other films they want to go see and then discuss. Uh, So let me know. And in the meantime, enjoy our roundup for the best films of 2014 from a post-production perspective. All right, so let's start with uh, Boyhood. took 12 years to make the film. Yeah. My big question is, like, if I was talking to the editor, would be about pacing and structuring. Like, I wonder if they went back to the film, like, if they rewatched every time they, each mm. year they would do about 40 days on it. Yeah. 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 Like, they would work 40 days. Like, the editor said she worked 40 days a year on it. Right. Wow. So, and that would be in between other Linklater or Linklater films. Yeah. How do you uh, maintain sort of an overall structure that makes sense because uh, your your style changes or your personality changes everything yourself is changing mm-hmm. as you make this yeah well <laughs> that movie to me like it it certainly has a few funny little alleyways and, and little nooks and crannies to it i think because of that they thought maybe one year that they were going in one direction and then takes takes mm-hmm. another but the thing that really that I really enjoyed about it was just how ballsy they were with like jumping into the next age, you know? And every time there was, you know, you could get this kind of rush of seeing like the the kid get older, you know? And it's like happening right there in front of you. 
And uh, I thought that there would be some kind of a transition. You know, everybody heard about this movie before it came out and like, oh, it's been 12 years and he's been working on it for so long and you see this boy grow up. But they really just smashed scene to scene, in, yeah. you know, from... from like the first one's when he walks in, I think, right? If uh, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't remember. I just remember this one where he's, you know, a few years older or a year older or something like that and he's sitting on a couch watching TV or playing Nintendo or something like that. And... Uh, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, in a sense, it's hard to say, right? Because they would have shot it chronologically, you know, shooting out of sequence, but ultimately cutting it in sequence. Yeah. Well, there was talk of making it all mixed up. Huh. It's sort of like a Tarantino style, but huh. which would have been really weird, I think, given the topic. Well, I'm, I'm always, like, surprised at how much an audience will forgive that kind of, like... I mean, this is an extreme example where it's cutting years... Yeah. together but even like different different days and you know rarely i think do people get super confused as to like well wait a second if that happened the same day as that i need a night transition between those yeah days. can we see the right. moon set <laughs> and then some sun over the palm trees and then we'll get into this yeah. I, I, I think normally people are smart enough to forgive that kind of thing so that's true yeah i know that's true and as long as it's a good story you know and as long as it's, you're kind of motivating it with good story then yeah people are way more they're not looking for those little problems with it right they're not looking for the differences yeah yeah uh, because of youtube and all that people are so quick at grabbing things now mm. just smashing like smashing the cut together people just probably accept it like yeah who cares yeah like, i've noticed that um, with jump cuts too and it was a similar thing i was looking for like how are we going to transition and get from one to the other and there's one or two at the beginning where they're using music and the music, like mm -hmm. the age of the music changes, I guess, mm -hmm. or the year. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's it. And then like two later, it's like, no, they've given up on that. And yeah. they've switched it. So it's all up to us to keep up. And well, I wonder too, if once you establish it, if it's even as crucial, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's the first couple times you do something where you need to really explain it and then once you've done it you can kind of use a shorthand yeah i guess yeah like memento right like here's yeah. how we're gonna do this guys Follow yeah us. <laughs> so what do you think of uh ethan hawk's transition as a character i thought he was he came across as a really um legit three-dimensional character you know who had a lot of sort of harsh ugly sides to begin with and he matured well and you see him growing older as as it goes and yeah. you see his priorities change as a character so i thought that you know that really fit well with the movie and the whole kind of tone do we know how much access he had like or the actors would have had to to the to cut the previous stuff you know like every time they went no. back i wonder I if he saw any of that footage or any of the actors did i wonder because it's i don't know it's always the thing like Keep, it, keep your actors away from the film until it's kind of done. But yeah. It's 12 years. If you're picking up, yeah, yeah. 40, 40 days every one year, you've got to figure out, where was I in that Yeah, last well, I think 40 days cutting, they were only shooting like two weeks. Yeah, they I kept heard. it tight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shooting two weeks and I guess cutting more. It's a terrific project, you know. It's one of those things, somebody tells you, oh yeah, next summer we're going on a trip. And you're like, oh, that's so long, that's so far away. But imagine say, saying that for 12 years later, like we're gonna finish this film over a decade from now. And it's, uh, but it's like, you know, it worked. Well, what's interesting is like the whole time I was thinking of the uh, seven up series. So every seven mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. and that one, they changed styles in the documentary and like sort of everything shifts with it, which they didn't do with this, right? They didn't 
start in mini tv and then work to hd or something yeah but i guess that would have been you know that would have been a really i always find you know when you're watching old stuff you can tell the vintage just by kind of the film stock and the look of mm -hmm. it you know and all of that stuff and old tv especially you know you could just tell from the cameras and lenses and stuff that they were using so that would have been a way to show you know clock the age but when i was researching it they were saying um they stuck with 35 because they didn't know what technology was going to succeed smart and so they were like don't go with mini dv because then it'll look like shit if it's a huge failure same with they switched uh editing systems halfway through hmm. and that was sort of the thing where they're like thank god we stayed with 35 because yeah. yeah they went from final cut pro to avid yeah but they actually switched early so it was like final cut pro 3 or something like that they switched right. Because huh. they were just, they were like, we don't know what's going to happen. Imagine being the assistant on that project. <laughs> I guess, it, you know, in a way, it's kind of an ideal project to work on because it's, in a sense, it's low commitment. Even though it's a long-term commitment, you know, you can make 40 days out of any year possible. And, yeah. and two weeks for actors and crew. Like You have a whole other year to think about it so that next time you get into the edit suite, you're like... Ready to make those imagine. changes? <laughs> yeah. I exactly. always wanted to change that. <laughs> Could you imagine the director's notes? It's like, oh. I've been thinking about this for the last you know, 365 days. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah nice. Let's jump to uh, Budapest Hotel. This is your pick, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, it's funny because in a way, you know, I don't know how high it would rank on everybody's list for top films, but... I'm, I am a Wes Anderson fil uh, fan, so I think that, you know, you've got to wear that on your sleeve a little bit. <laughs> yeah. not, not everybody's a fan, but if you are, you know, I, I found this one to be really exciting because it felt like, in a way, his most Wes Anderson-y film <laughs> that he'd done in a while, anyway, and, and his most uh, sort of formal film in, in a lot of ways. It didn't feel like he was fighting himself at all right for better or for worse if you don't like him but it, it really felt like he was going to give himself some rules and he was going to stick with them mm -hmm. and work within those rules and that was pretty cool to see I mean I, I know a lot of people who liked it even though they are not Wes Anderson mm -hmm. fans so I think it's a success nice. in that way yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was just catnip, you know, it's like filmmakers catnip. Mm -hmm. It's shot in four by three, you know, so it's like got this vintage kind of look to it. Old lenses, apparently they went into like antique lens territory and found a bunch of these old cool lenses to work with. And, uh, and then like everybody's long names, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like whoever, Christopherson Third or something like that. And yeah, it was very, very, very Wes Anderson. The only thing it made me think about um, after the fact was like, is this, you know, is this a great movie because it's a great movie? Or are we getting off on the silly dress up show from all these great celebrities, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I kind of asked myself, because have you guys seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Because coming to I it not I saw, knowing... I saw it when I was a kid. I yeah. Think. Coming to it not knowing the stars, because uh, they're of a different generation, I, I think a lot so of the humor ago, was yeah. lost on me. And I was just kind of like, this is dumb. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I wonder now in 30 years, if someone, you know, if someone oh, younger is going to say, oh, Tilda Swinson, that's who's that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not going to be relevant. 
But, you know, at the same time, like, I don't want to be bashing this movie because I really liked it. And I thought it was, like, you're right. It's the most Wes Anderson-y movie, right? It starts with the book and they open the book and then tell the story. And old men in bath, you know, bathtubs <laughs> with shower or bath caps on and stuff like that. It's wonderful. Well, they also have all the straight on shots. It's yeah. the whole, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the pace was like, you know breakneck speed i just remember it it felt like it moved move moved you yeah know? but in that way that's something that i find really interesting about his films because that that did feel it felt like it was tightly wound the whole time but his whole style is in these weird pauses it always feels like whenever they cut to somebody that it's that moment before he said action to them mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. where they're standing there waiting, and then they do what they're supposed to right, do. Right, right. But he does manage to keep that pace up, even in spite of that, I think, being part of that the That dead air thing. Yeah, huh, that's do a good point. Do you think point. that creates sort of like that awkward humor? Because you know how like oh, yeah. there's that sort of style to his humor that's just, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. I No, I think you're exactly right. And I also think that's what some people don't like about his films, because it's very obvious maybe in a way yeah it's heavy-handed i think it is but you know i think you know movies should be big and and blatant i think tv is the land of subtlety and you know little winks and sort of subtle gestures to the camera where i think you know film is huge it should be larger than life big music you know knock me over the head with it so i think that works well it it, i think it's interesting too that he gives himself these weird rules like we're going to shoot everything head on like yeah. right down the axis and then we're going to cut like 90 degrees and then we're going to just blow the axis and, and <laughs> cut the other way he gives themselves these weird rules that you know as an editor if i was going to put something together i would pick a way easier way to do it but it wouldn't be as exciting maybe mm-hmm. you know he's just you know handcuffed himself to this to this style and so when it works and this film i feel like it worked really well then it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought the miniatures were amazing as well. Mm-hmm. All the buildings, exteriors, yeah. the yeah. snowy mountain. I remember the this. Ski. The skiing. Yeah, that I remember. That one was obvious. But yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was just so cool. And I mean, apparently he and his brother do these like really detailed hand drawings of everything, like all the sets and everything. You know, that's. In I the thought room. you were gonna say they make miniatures. I was gonna be like, no. that's gonna be an awkward Christmas. They're just like, here, I made you more miniatures. You're like, oh, I got a shelf full, man. Like, <laughs> oh man, yeah. So fairly, like, it's all about detail, and so you know, to me, like, that kind of comes back in the names as well, and the way that he like fastidiously names everybody and. And uh, I, I, everything is just so... I used to have a, a roommate that worked on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. And, you know, she came from the world of stop motion. So there's not a lot of times in that world that a director comes along with any, you know, brand name sort of uh, clout. Basically, Wes Anderson... Ardman. <laughs> Ardman Studios, basically. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, so she was saying, like, it was bizarre to have him, he would, like, phone in or vi- he would Skype in or something and look at stuff, and he would be holding, uh, like, right angle, 
like rulers up to the screen to just make sure everything oh. was exactly right. So he's really detail oriented. Yeah, like down no to the kidding. Backgrounds being so precise. But I feel that would be so off. Like if you looked at it, because you'd be looking at your screen, measuring your screen, and it could be different. And you'd be, <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Yeah. I'm not surprised though. Yeah, it's it's a really staid like square look that he has, and it's and it works really well. You know, the straight on shots hardly move. Well, he moves the camera, but it's he likes his whip pans. Yeah, yeah, he loves his whip pans. Riff Fines did such a great job; just like totally pulls it off. And that young bellboy protege is amazing throughout penciling on his mustache. Yeah, I was just gonna say <laughs> drawing on his mustache every day. And then like. Yeah, the the thing, I mean, the thing about Grand Budapest that really sort of got me was at the end when they're back on the train and it's like, oh, here we go again. And you think it's going to be all fun and games. And then and then what happens? He, he gets taken off by the Nazis and killed. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's real heart there. And otherwise it's just been fun and exciting and silly and you're just like, you know, bring it on, bring it on. This is awesome. And then they just give you like this little bit of heart and serious, you know, real serious acting. And uh, it totally worked, you know, tonally, everything. It felt like, okay, yeah, we're going here now. Oh, yeah. The, the best thing about the best comedies is this sort of weird bait and switch where they, you think you're just laughing and then you realize that you've really been kind of connecting to these characters and they can, if they can make you feel something at that point yeah yeah well emotion's so important too like laughter is so close to crying physically right and so i think that you know it's it's um cathartic in both ways like to laugh or to cry and so yeah i think comedians have that power you know Mm -hmm. really really good comedians have that power to sort of hit home yeah I, I i have gotten the advice before like if you want to really bum a party out invite a whole bunch of comedy writers yeah over to yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> you think you're doing yourself a favor and then they just show up they're, they're cynical up, they're good at first they get a few drinks on them and yeah then it, all, oh, it all comes out everyone's crying <laughs> oh man rough well, yeah. I think we should uh, move to the big one that we all picked, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucas picked first. So, <laughs> Yeah, Birdman. Birdman was amazing. Two editors, but you wouldn't know it because it's a one You know, it's mm-hmm. the whole movie is done in one shot. And Russian arc, rope, you know, there's been, you can count them on your hands how many movies have been done without the edit. And uh, this, I thought, was just a total masterpiece. It was... You know, it was a really good character story that plays on this sort of arm's length inner monologue to um, Michael Keaton's, you know, character the whole time. And you really, you know, it's just got this like kinetic camera moving, feels like you're just tumbling down a hill the whole movie long. You know, it's close to two hours, I think. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't look away. There's, as soon as I realized there was going to be one shot as well. Uh, you, you didn't know going into it? No. no neither did I. So I, <laughs> I yeah. spent the first 20 minutes waiting like, oh man, when they cut from this long dolly. <laughs> Gravity. <it's gonna laughs> cut. I gotta pay attention to this first cut. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it it's like not going to happen. Oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were burying a lot of cuts and whips and, you know, yeah, of course. And, yeah. and all the camera moves and stuff. But, I mean, it was just, 
to me, like the jazz drumming score kept this pace going, and you just feel like, like you're just kind of at this canter the whole time. And there's a lot of humor in it, there's a lot of heart in it, and it's kind of absurd because it's about a guy having this existential crisis mm -hmm. and kind of losing himself, but it's so playful. It's just such a great example of what a movie can be, you mm -hmm. know? I don't think every movie should be Birdman. I can't imagine how risky that is, though. Like, if the actor's off slightly or if the, you know, like, just anything is off slightly, like the camera operator, then the shot doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get the shot, then that moment dies, right? Like, that moment when you get into the cutting room, you're like, fuck, this well, doesn't work. Well, you have no all, options. Yeah. You have no options is yeah. the thing, right? Those yeah, were yeah. all A-grade actors, you know, so maybe yeah, yeah. Right? Like, he, I think he knew what he was doing when he cast that Ooh. film he needed people that would hell yeah hold it together <laughs> hell yeah yeah and i mean yeah you can just watch you know michael keaton or edward norton or you know emma stone sitting there and doing their taxes and it's going to be interesting and, you know whatever so i can't wait for that movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. tax man 2016 the accountant the unexpected virtue of my tax ignorance <laughs> uh yeah I, I don't know it's just it was wonderful and uh, yeah risky in a lot of ways like doing the inner monologue thing mm -hmm. also the inner eye or you know the sense of like you're seeing his manifestations of his of his own ego right he's levitating at the beginning having a moment of of sort of quiet before he goes out uh he he has the power to you know push things telekinetically when really he's like actually just trashing a room like throwing stuff around you know but doing that you know, right, right off the bat, like the first shot with him levitating, mm -hmm. you know that you're in his head. So then anything goes, you know, it's, you're only as strong as his imagination or, or you know what I mean? So as long as you kind of trust the character, then yeah, anything goes. The ending was the thing that I think a lot of people are turned off by. Really? Or, yeah. I, I, thought it was, I thought I liked that it was open in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was with my friend Ash. We went to the movie together and uh, we had a long discussion about it. And I realized after that I had like created this whole reason for him not to die. And I was like, I don't think it ends there. I think it's actually like he's sitting in the in the uh, hospital room at the end. She comes in and sees him fully realized as a character and she's happy for him. And that's him flying. I know. I liked uh, like what you were saying before with uh, in his head and like his whole like he can levitate because it's in his head. And I love the existential crisis where unless someone acknowledges you on Twitter, you're a nobody <laughs> no, mm. you, or you don't exist. And what I thought was funny is uh, that because he looks at the drummer, because he looks and acknowledges Birdman, they exist in his world, right? And so he's acknowledging them and he's allowing them to exist. Mm -hmm. And they're driving, controlling him in a sense too. What uh, blew me away was just, like you were saying, that it carries you through the film so fast i went into it someone asked me they're like how do you think they did the one shot and i was like oh it's one shot you know so like i'm gonna go see this one shot film so i was like prepping myself because i'm like oh it's gonna be so boring huh. and i just whipped through like it just constant oh, yeah. movement and change and re-engaging you as an audience and the dialogue is breaking uh, as yeah. well yeah yeah yeah, and that and it keeps feels it feels fresh. It doesn't feel like it's all coming from the same mouth. You know what I mean? Sometimes dialogue, like Aaron Sorkin, you know, he writes great dialogue, but 
it's kind of a bunch of Aaron Sorkin standing around a room talking about something, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I was just going to say two Aaron Sorkins walking down a hallway arguing. Right, right, yeah. yeah. But this, yeah, the dialogue was, was really good. And I, what I thought was really funny and kind of like, kind of amazing also. We'll see, I don't know. Do you guys know if Edward Norton is, um, is a supporting actor Oscar nom? Not it. We wouldn't know yet. We wouldn't know yet. Okay. He might be in the running, but... I think everybody's been talking about what a great actor he is. He just played himself. <laughs> well, no. What he did was play a great actor. They say, we got this ringer coming in. He's going to be great. He's going to save the, the show, right? Yeah. And so then he comes in and plays a, a great actor, being great. Like, he can remember lines, no problem. He knows the other guy's lines. Amazing, you know? And... Mark my words, I bet you he's going to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination, if not win. Just because I think it's like, in a sense, Hollywood has this like self-fulfilling prophecy thing where they, they kind of, you know, if you set up a character like that, people are like, oh, that actor is actually an amazing actor. Sometimes people can't see beyond the character, you know. And so him coming in and playing this ringer sort of uh, talent... I think is going to end up with him being recognized as a ringer. It's interesting. It, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it does have a little bit of a third man vibe, right? Where like they talk about him for a whole bunch and then he shows up. So yeah. you're just automatically excited. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. You can't wait. Yeah. I, I have to admit, like as an editor, I was, because I didn't go into it knowing that it was a oneer, So I was sort of disappointed at the same time as being excited hmm. for a little while until I got over it. Just the idea of, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get to see any cuts here. <laughs> and you know that they're happening. So at the same time as I'm giving up on there being cuts, I'm starting to really focus on where they've hidden the cuts as well. Right. So it's distracting you a bit. A little. I mean. But you're also coming from as an editor, right? Like it's. Yeah. You're going to be like, why is there no cuts here? Why? Yeah. Well, but I also do think that as any viewer coming to it, that film you need to sort of get over the style. Because it's, it's a strong style, what they're doing, that, you know, it's pretty overt. And I think you need to kind of go into it, get put off by it, then get used to it, and then fall into the story. Right. I don't know. May, unless you go into it just automatically knowing you're going to love it, because mm. it's, oh, I've always wanted I, to see I this I was kind of really worried coming into this film because everyone was like greatest film greatest film and i was like oh crap man like, everyone tell me it's bad because then all that said I, I i picked up this you picked up a I bootleg up, of <laughs> i picked up a review oh yeah um it's like it's not the main review it's like after it's been out for a while obviously mm-hmm. like the dvd release or... well I, I think it's just you know they keep the review in here for as long as it's in theaters but they yeah here it is this is in now magazine Birdman is a near-total fiasco from a filmmaker bent on impressing the world with his prodigious talent. <laughs> a show-offy drama about a former superhero actor making his Broadway debut by writing, directing, and starring in a drama based on the stories of Raymond Carver. It's a god-awful mess. <laughs> Whoa. That's abuse. So I don't wow. think it's a universal... Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting that a film critic would write that mm-hmm. because it's such i mean it takes so much and maybe you know working on a film and criticizing a film are two different things and actually birdman touches on that you know with the critic character but like when we work on films you know it's 
we realize like how much energy and time and effort it takes to make and money you know it takes to make a movie so i'm surprised they don't even a little bit just appreciate it for that but that's that was, just yeah that sounds like a mean i don't know whatever it's a mean review but well because like, like when i saw it i was like okay i know it's going to be you know single shot like even if even if i don't like this film like that's crazy to have been able so to ambitious. pull that off yeah. yeah like i think of russian arc and what they went through to get that done which was you know we need to create digital technology for this and i heard russian arc had a budget to do the whole thing four times oh, I don't know. and try it four times and they they did it one time goofed it up stopped everything back to first positions second time third time they're like we're gonna have to take out a bigger loan fourth time they said everybody you know we've got to get this in one and they nailed it wow. and that's the movie is that amazing <laughs> that's yeah i can't like i if someone came to me and was like, I'm going to do a single shot film, would you produce it? I'd be like, no. <laughs> Just because, like, my thought, like, right away, I'd be like, if you can't get it to work or if one actor's off or... If- yeah. Well, yeah. and but, but, you know, that just goes, like, Birdman is just the test of how strong blocking can be. You know, blocking and moving the camera. Yeah. And just, like, you're right. Like, they didn't leave themselves with any options other than takes. Well, that's the advantage of doing things now. Like, yeah. now is the time that you can make a film like Birdman and it works because you have the options of, of stitching this together just at the right moment where maybe somebody's hand moves. Or yeah. You can make and blowing this. up a little, you know, and having the, yeah, yeah. the digital control. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rope is the other, you know, big one yeah. that everybody knows about by Alfred Hitchcock. And... That's a funny movie. That's sort of a drawing room drama, uh, you know, type of story. His technique, because film reels would run out after 20 minutes, 22 yeah. minutes. So his technique was like, you know, in a party scene, go to someone's back, mm-hmm. change reels, and then start on someone's back and keep going. Or and you can kind of see I these think, little... Right? Sorry? Past a pillar, I think, at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was smart the way that he worked it given the limitations right? yeah given the limitations and i mean yeah this conversation is kind of about limitations you know all three of these movies you're saying you know the style in grand budapest hotel and uh the you know the so he handcuffed himself in that and then the constraint of only working two weeks and having a 12 year long project and then having a one-shot movie you know our three topic movies are all about these you know it's not freedom it's about constraint and being artistic and creative within these sort of really measured guidelines. That's probably why we like picked them, right? Like, it's probably we were all like, okay, as an editor, that's a really huge challenge. Yeah, it's a huge task. Like, how right? do we figure that out? And yeah. that's what excites us, as opposed to, yeah, you know, like, oh, here's a typical three camera setup. Go. Yeah, it's almost a terrible example of us not picking the ones that were like edited <laughs> super smooth. Like, you don't notice the good editing. to the craft. Kind of <laughs> yeah. no, we want the difficult ones that were <laughs> wacky. Yeah. One camera, please. That's it. Mm-hmm. It sounded like when I was reading up on it, it sounded a lot like every department had to communicate. Like every department communicates as much as possible, but like 10 times more. Like the, uh, the colorist, like I saw an interview with him. And he's like, it was a nightmare to color correct because you're changing rooms, you're changing. Oh yeah. He's like, there's like one scene where a person opens a door and like sticks their head in, and it's like the light from out there is changing the light inside, and they're like trying to shade everything and fix. 
He's like, yeah, there's like 200 masks that we've like blocked out to change the the shading so it doesn't affect the original shot. And, oh yeah, and it was just like a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, now he's you know if there was an Oscar for colorist, he'd probably win it. But <laughs> damn it, there should be an Oscar yeah. for colorists. Yeah, colorists and stuntmen or stunt people. Editing aside, I think it's really meta or very relevant that the movie is about a play and every scene you go into is set up almost like a play like you know there's no angles it's one angle so it's it's sure the camera's moving it's dynamic you know you're not sitting in a theatrical you know format but it's so you know it's so relevant that they did that where there's just you know scene by scene they're just kind of one take and it's the the motion in the room, the people in the room making that energy. And so you don't need to cut for pace. Like it was, yeah. The other thing that blew me away though is, and I, I always think of um, Touch of Evil and the opening shot and what makes it work is the amount of change that occurs and the amount of like readjusting that the audience has to do and following these characters and there's constant engagement. And I think, you know, whenever I see a student trying to do a single shot film, it's usually like, I'm an artist. Here's this person sitting here. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, okay, we got that. <laughs> what's what's the next yeah. thing? Where and that's what this film works so well is because it's like he's in one room, he's interacting with people, moves to the next room, moves to the next room constantly. Yeah. Well, and your and your whole perception of reality shifts the whole time. Are we in his head? Is this real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're There's asking yourself that question about. up until three quarters of the way through. Yeah. Also, I, I just really enjoyed kind of like the wink going on with, you know, the director winking to the audience. Things like having a scene upstairs in a, in a room at night, coming out the window, camera tilts up, does a time lapse, and then that morning there's a scene outside on the street. And it seems fluid, but they time lapse, and so time can exist as well, and it's not meant to be like a two-hour, you know, time frame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the idea of scale could still remain big as it needed to be i wonder when they felt that needed to happen versus when they didn't as well like i I mean i've only seen the film once it'd be interesting to watch it again and really figure out where they where time did pass but they didn't feel like they needed to explain it Mm -hmm. you know they they went with this character then they went with this character and they came back to this character and obviously time had passed but they didn't feel the need to go and show clouds moving for a second mm-hmm. you know it'd be interesting to look at that because there's obviously some parts yeah they don't do it all the time yeah that's true yeah bird man <laughs> <laughs> alright guys well thanks for joining me for wrapping up this uh, 2014 thank you yeah thanks and uh, we'll have to do it again in 2015 so that was our roundup. I'd like to thank Luke and of course I'd like to thank Jordan if you like this let us know info at aotg.com if you agree, let us know. If you disagree, let us know what films you think should have been in the 2014 roundup for post-production professionals. And in the meantime, make sure to enjoy what's left of 2014. I'd like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock. Of course, our executive administrator, Eric New, And of course, Lucas Sargent and Jordan Kreutz. I'm Gordon Raquel. Thanks for listening.